Khabib <laughs> is a monster in his own right, but the UFC would not be full of the killers that it is on the mat, I mean, because like how Spider Silva innovated strikers and we got Izzy now. George St. Pierre innovated wrestling and we got Khabib now. I'm ill. I'm ill. I'm ill. I'm ill. I'm ill. And we are back here on the dope blog talking dope fights. It's me, Charles Day. I'm here with my cousin and partner in crime, Tim Owens. What up, cuz? What's up, man? How you doing? I am good. After the Tyson fight, it is like a different world because that fight was probably the best version of that fight it could possibly be. The event wasn't complete garbage. Like the boxing wasn't that great, but as an event in during these this COVID era of sports, it definitely was entertaining. So that was cool. And it was good to not see Roy Jones Jr. get hurt like me and you both thought he was going to get hurt. But, yeah, we're chilling. The, the only downside to talking today is all these cancellations. COVID keeps getting W's and giving everyone L's this year. Like, what we thought we would be talking about this week is completely out the fucking window. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, COVID has definitely – taking some fight cards away and, and you know it's i guess made some fight cards as well so it's just been tough though because literally you, you go on like tapology or any of those other uh websites for rankings and and for um for schedules and and their record and fighters records you see just the gray sea just canceled 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 this that it's like jesus man yeah and speaking of cancellations Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis, the heavyweight bout we've talked about last week. That's off. Kevin Holland, another up-and-comer, you know, knockout artist me and you have been talking about. He's not fighting now. Yep. Leon Edwards and Kazmat Chemaev. Legit the fight me and you are both most excited about this month is no longer happening. All COVID-related cancellations First and foremost, you know, get healthy, guys. Stay healthy. Hope everyone's okay because you never know. But it just sucks as a fan because that's like December is gone now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, prayers up for Leon because it's apparently not like most fighters um, that have gotten a positive COVID result. Most of them have been, you know, rather positive. They're in kind of the prime shape of their lives, stuff like that. So they've been – most people that have tested positive, specifically UFC I'm talking about, have been all right. But apparently I was listening to our guy Ariel and he had some uh, had a talk with some people in Leon Edwards' team and says he's actually uh, sick sick. So prayers to him. He's he's actually feeling what COVID could do. So Yes, from Ariel Lawani from ESPN, I'm going to read it to you from December 1st. Okay. I'm recording this on December 2nd. The Edwards case was severe. He hasn't been able to train at all and lost 12 pounds in four days, sources oh. told ESPN's Brett Akimoto. Holy shit. Yeah, see, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah that's, and that's scary. That is like for – listen, I'm not in anywhere near the good shape these guys are in. So if that's happening to an MMA fighter and obesity is a preexisting condition for a fat guy from Jersey like myself, it's kind of scary to read that. But – 
he is currently in the process of recovering at home, according to this. So hopefully that means he's getting better as we're speaking. And it sucks. But you know what sucks more? Not being healthy. So we hope they get healthy <laughs> and we get, you know, this fight in 2021. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd rather have his health. And, and you know, like you said, losing tw- hearing losing 12 pounds is what kind of scares me. It's because, like, you don't got much to lose, my man. <laughs> you know 12 what I mean? pounds in four days. Not in 12 pounds in four weeks. 12 pounds in That's four like he's make, trying to make weight. <laughs> like, that's what that is. He's trying to make weight. That's crazy. That's scarier because, like, usually when you're training like that, the making weight isn't a whole 12 pounds. Like, like, like I know in, in boxing sometimes it's 10 pounds, but that's even a severe weight gain after the weight cut, you know, for a walking around weight. But Yeah, that's – yeah, he's he's – yeah, so – that's crazy. Prayers to him, though, for sure. Like I said, and and on top of it, just kind of talk about him. Like it's gonna be, it for most of the guys. Like I said, starting in the lead up to this, was most of the guys have felt okay when they've gotten a positive COVID result. With him being actually feeling the effects of COVID, we don't know when he can get back into the octagon. You don't. We we just don't know because you know, not to get on a whole thing about COVID, but everything varies so much. And we know this, it's been almost a year now. Everyone kind of knows all, all that COVID has to bring as of now. And he could end up having some permanent damage or whatever, what have you. So we, hopefully he'll be back at the beginning of uh, 2021 uh, rebooking this fight with Kamzat Chemaev. Um That's all we can hope for. So that's yeah, really the scariest part too, that we are living in a world where a year later, we still don't know that it's going to be okay because it's everywhere from you don't have any symptoms and you had it to you're in great shape and you're suffering. Like there's like, there's so many variables to each case. That's what makes this so scary. So, you know, like we, we, we're going to keep saying it, man, because you can't get enough prayers up. Hopefully we see him fighting sooner than later. And there's just a blip on the radar because yep. we don't know what kind of permanent damage could be done to your lungs, to your brain. We are literally living and recording in a time period where that is just an unknown still. So we'll see what happens. In more positive news, Clarissa Shields, the women's GOAT, the ladies' GOAT in boxing, signed an MMA deal to PFL, and she's going to compete at 165? So we don't know, right? So Clarissa Shields, yeah, I think according to ESPN is the – I don't have the rankings pulled up, but off the top of my head, she's the pound-for-pound pound best women's fighter right now. I don't got to look it up. She is. No, okay. <laughs> like, no she is. Like, <laughs> He's like, no, no, no. Calm down. She is. <laughs> like, if there's somebody else, then make that fucking fight. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, if somebody else is that good or wants to be, say the best pound for pound in the fight is possible, make that fight. If, if we're talking me, about some Right, let me see it. Yeah, man. So, all right, so pound for pound best right now. It's amazing. This isn't a this isn't a thing I guess we normally see, right? A, a, a top boxer going into MMA, signing with PFL. I don't know what you kind of started off with was 165. I don't think any uh, notes are out or – anything has been done yet on to, to see where she's going to be fighting at. My assumption is since they don't, I don't believe PFL has the 165. They have a 155 uh, with Kayla Harrison there as their reigning champ. Right. So that's probably what I see happening is her having to lose shed 10 more pounds and not fight at the 165 and fight at 155. 
but I, I don't know. It, it's all up in the air. And what's really cool um, is that she's still going to be boxing as well is uh, what I read. So, Well, she's 10-0 and 0 right now in boxing. And I pulled up the Wikipedia real quick because, let's be real, the fight wikis are the easiest way to read some of their accomplishments. Yeah. She's held multiple world titles in three weight classes, reigned as the undisputed female middleweight champion from 2019 to September 2020, having held the unified WBA, WBC, and IBF female middleweight titles for two years. Badass. uh, The WBO female middleweight title from 2019 to September 2020. She also unified the WBC and WBO female light middleweight titles since January of this year. And she was the unified WBC and IBF female super middleweight uh, champion from 2017 to 2018. She currently holds the record for becoming two and three uh, weight world champions in the fewest professional fights, obviously 10 fights, just pretty much ranking up all the wins against the best competition immediately. And right. in November 2020, <laughs> she's ranked as the world's best active female light middleweight by the ring and box rec and everyone that matters, including ESPN. So she's pretty much the female goat of her sport. She's only one of eight boxers in history, male or female, to hold all four major world titles in boxing, the WBA, WBC, IBF, and WBO simultaneously. And here, and here's where some of the names she's just listed with in the sport right now at 10 fights. Bernard Hopkins, Jermaine Taylor, Terrence Crawford. Oh, and, and I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> she's an Olympic gold medalist from the 2012 Olympics. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say she's an Olympic medalist too, right? Only, only, only. Like I'm a fucking Olympic medalist. Only the one, though, right? From 2012. Only the one great <laughs> you, lifetime you know, type of accomplishment. Yes, only. The one. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't shit. I can't. I'm not trying to sound like that, but I'm, I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> well, she got uh, according to Wiki. You know, I have to keep saying that because. Do you really want me surfing the net for all these accomplishments right now? She has a 2012 London gold medal. She has a 2016 Rio de Janeiro gold medal, both at middleweight. She has a 2014 uh, world championship gold medal at at middleweight, a 2016 world championship at middleweight, and a 2015 gold medal at light heavyweight. Yeah, she's a savage. She got got the the hardware to back it up. She was calling out – Ali, uh, I, I, I can't believe Layla, Layla, yeah, Layla Ali, which you know, dream fight. She's older, but hey, man, that that's a money fight for. Uh, that, I mean, hey, if we're talking box, that's money right there. Yeah, that is. I mean, I, me and you would both pay for it, even if we weren't doing this pod. So right, like, shit, exactly. So hey, but but that but it is what know, it is. To say the least, for as far as especially with this week in cancellations, we still be talking about Clarissa Shields getting signed. If you don't know about Clarissa Shields, you only got ten fights. Look up her highlights. She's yeah. real. Yeah, you know what I mean? real deal. Real. She's yeah, real deal for sure. She's monster. monster. And keep and keeping it in uh, the ladies MMA real quick. Next week, Bellator 254, December 10th, McFarlane versus Velasquez for the Bellator flyweight world title. 11 and 0 Alima Lay McFarlane, who made the pound for pound list last week against 10 and 0 Juliana Velasquez. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yo, if you guys like good flyweight fights, like the irony that back-to-back pods are just really going to focus on some flyweights, especially female flyweights, that's crazy. But it's, hey, that's what you know. Twenty twenty is McFarlane versus Velasquez should have your attention, and it's 
from what I can tell, going to be a free fight. If you got the CBS Sports Network or DAZN or wherever you watch Bellator, their prelims are on YouTube. For the fans who don't know, it's worth checking out. And that's a good main event. You don't get too oh, many sure. undefeated title matches anymore. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fun main event. I don't have the whole card pull up, but I'm assuming it's going to be a decent card. They're, you know, same thing. Want to try and end the year strong or as strong as you can. So that's definitely going to be a fun one. Those Thursday cards have been great. I mean, especially this year with all these cancellations and shit. Bellator has been putting on shows. So, yeah, it, it is, it, it's worth checking out. There's nothing on the main card that just jumps out at me looking through it. You got Linton uh, Vassal versus Ronnie Marks uh, for, at heavyweight. You got a lightweight feature. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name. Go G-O-I-T-I. How do you pronounce that first name? Jot, uh, Japanese guy. Uh, yeah. right? uh, I can't remember. Sorry, bro. Right? I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, sorry, Brazilian. Bro. He's Brazilian Japanese at that. Oh, that's not fair. Those are the hardest names. The, the Japanese that immigrated to uh, the Brazil generations ago. Hardest pr- pronunciations for me. But he's going up against Nate Andrews at lightweight. He's 25 and four against Nate Andrews with 16 and three. So, that, you know, interesting there. Then you got uh, Magomed, Magat, uh, Magomedov. Yeah, Magomed Magomedov. Yeah. It's his, it's his name twice with Dov at the end. Magomed. Yeah, it's literally, I, it messed me up reading that just now. <laughs> yeah, I know you're talking about <laughs> versus uh, Matthias Matos at 12 and one. Bantamweight bout. And then you got the heavy, uh, the heavyweight. Then you got the flyweight world title match, and that's your main card next week. Check that out, man. That is that. And as far as my my predictions, I just put my girl Lima Lay on the pound for pound list. I don't plan on taking her off, but ten and zero in MMA is ten and zero. So I'm gonna tune in. I don't know enough about Juliana Velasquez to even have a opinion on how the fight's gonna go. I need to do more research on her. Right, so. right. I mean, it could be a tough fight for Alimale, but in general, I'm kind of with you here. I don't see, I don't see it being too difficult for Alimale. Um, she should really kind of kill the game. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, um, Juliana Vas- Velasquez has been doing really well. Came in strong. She's, I think this is her fifth or sixth. This will be her sixth Bellator fight. So she's been kind of just coming up in the ranks, started in Bellator in 2017. <clears throat> so she should should be a decent fight. It shouldn't be just like a run through. This ain't me talking about Shevchenko, what was it, two weeks ago or whatever. It's not, it's not like that. Yeah. So. I think it should be decent, at least. In other news, just in the MMA world that have happened since our last recording, we got Cody Garbrandt eyeing a flyweight title fight in 2021 against uh, Davison Figueredo, which is interesting because UFC 256 is a flyweight title match. And so he's talking trash to Figueredo. At least Cody G's giving away. He doesn't think Brandon Moreno is going to take away that belt in, in a couple weeks. So I think right. that's a little interesting. Right. Well, remember, um, so Cody was supposed to come down anyway and got taken out of got taken out of 255, it was, correct? Or was it 250? Yeah, 255. So he was supposed to fight Davidson Figueredo already, and he had to pull out of that fight uh, from COVID-19 again. COVID strikes again. So <laughs> hey, you know, COVID's having a career year this year. Seriously, taking all W's. Everyone else is just losing right now. But 
they uh they were able to uh, like you said book that fight with Alex Perez and then obviously we saw how that went and I think the thought behind it might have been that Davis it, just speculation Davison might have not taken a fight against Cody that short of notice when he just fought. Now that Brandon Moreno fought on the same card and they're the same weight class, same card, all that, I think it gives Davison Figueredo more reason to be like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely do it. I'll sign up for that bout. I'll save this card kind of thing. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so. Cody has been a fan favorite since he took out Dominic Cruz. I just pulled it up so I can remember. I can't believe it's already four years ago. Yeah. He beat Dominic Cruz for the Bantamweight Championship. In December on December 30th, 2016, at UFC 207. So, true. I'm so I, I I didn't realize it was already that long ago, and that's how long Garbrandt's been around, just in the zeitgeist of MMA like that. But he can throw hands. He's a good fighter. He just ran into a prime TJ Dillashaw, and that's why he lost his bantamweight championship. I think him going down to flyweight. He really has a chance to dominate that division. It's kind of like one of those things. Maybe he should have moved down years ago, but, hey, when you're the champ in one weight class, it's not like you're thinking about moving down necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you could you could take it one of two ways or two of two ways, right? It, the first one being it should have been his natural weight class maybe. It could have been where he should have belonged. He might have made this decision earlier. Should he have made this decision earlier? All those questions kind of fall on the same side, right? And then you can take the other side of, well, is he worried that he can't beat Piotr Jan at 135? Does he think he doesn't have what it takes because he hasn't been able to pull it off at 135 again, especially with Triple C running for – what was it? Triple C had 135, right? I'm not crazy. Yeah. So it could be one of those two things. You know what I mean? So depending on how you look at his career and depending on how much you really like Cody, I think it was a smart decision for him if he's comfortable making that weight. When you're getting that small, one pound is a lot, you know? So to go from 35 to 25, that's that's a big jump when you're that light of weight already. Yeah, and maybe he does. Maybe he loses some power losing that weight or he loses his chin, chin losing that weight. We don't know, but that's part, right. of, that's part of the sport. Part of sport. So yeah. As of right now, that the UFC 256 main event is Figueroa versus Mourinho. We said that. The co-main is a lightweight bout between Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira. Like, I don't know what to think about this one. I, my, you know, my, my first in, uh, initial response is Ferguson's going to win. But he's one of these fighters that just doesn't get love like anyone thinks he should get. But as one of these people that don't love him like that, I don't know what it is about him, right? Like, it's it's so difficult. Yeah, I, it's it's so hard. Like, I, I'm a huge Tony Ferguson fan. Love the guy. A 10th Planet guy. So it's jiu I mean, top-notch. I don't know what it is that he hasn't been able to break through to be a bigger fan favorite for what you could say, quote-unquote, casuals. I don't know what it is. I don't know why he hasn't been able to make that breakthrough. I can't see why. I mean, before the Gaethje fight, he was on a 12-fight win streak, knocking people off, most violent fights there were. So it's like, dude, what the – why hasn't he been – and it's not like – I don't think it's a UFC thing where they're not promoting him. Like, I just don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. 
Yeah, his last loss before Gaethje this year was Michael Johnson, UFC on Fox, Diaz versus Miller, May 5th, 2012. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's bro, crazy. That's, what? That's a, that's a long year. That, that's eight years of winning. Yes. And it's, and it's, I, what I think it is, honestly, is the, all the fights that got canceled that never happened and people just losing faith in him for that. Because how many times was the fight with Khabib supposed to happen? Uh, five total, technically. It's five? I thought it was three. I'm not even joking. I thought it was uh, only three. The one that the one that that COVID took away from us because everyone they announced it so early. They announced it back in fucking what was it in December, maybe November of last year. And everyone's like, "Why are you announcing this fight? Don't even tell us until it's like the week of, because <laughs> we we had four times we couldn't make it, and literally we're like, oh, we're getting close now. Like I think we were one pay per view event away from the fight because they were the first ones back, weren't they? Were Ferguson Gaethje? They were the first pay per view fight we had. Oh, it was COVID. Very- <laughs> one of the fir- one of the first ones back, and that's because they were the ones booked right before COVID hit. Like, literally right before COVID hit. That's the only reason they didn't do that fight. Because the last fight, I remember this almost vividly, the last fight that we really had that was a pay-per-view was the one that had Zhang Weili and um, Ioana young Jacek and uh, Izzy and, and Yoel, right? That you, know, was you, know, you know what the first uh, fight back was or the first COVID event was? Usman Masvidal. Was it really? The 251. Holy shit. I looked up I looked up first uh Fight Island because that's would have been the first one back. And no, up- no, 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 no. Uh first Fight Island was not the first one back. First one back was Jacksonville, Florida, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Jacksonville, Florida, man. Don't forget, they at the same time they said UFC, y'all can fight, and they also said, Oh, and WWE is an essential sport. So hey. Or a central business, not as, as a as a professional wrestling fan, the fuck it is. But <laughs> but hey, I like my WWE and I like my AEW, so I'm not, I'm just gonna shut up and enjoy what. Uh, so this year actually, me. yeah, what you should be looking at if we can find it is the Jacksonville card. That's technically the first card back before Fight Island was created. Damn. Yeah. So. But yeah. So exactly, this year is 12 years long. And <laughs> Back to Tony Ferguson because we you will get sidetracked on random facts. I don't know what it is. I'm gonna check it out. I think it's better. I think he's one of the gatekeepers of his division now. He's one of the gatekeepers of the lightweight division. He's fell into this tier that we have the Mosfidals, that we have the Diaz's, where it's like people don't put them in this top tier, but they are elite fighters. Yep. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough to see, especially, like I said, with Tony Ferguson being pretty much the monster that he was, like you said, was supposed to have five fights with Khabib or five fights was his fight was scheduled five times, got away each time. And then Khabib drops his hat after this W after his father's passing and goes, well, I'm out. So we'll probably never get that fight, but unless that's know, 30, unless that's the, the, the rumored fight 30, uh, because, because Khabib isn't retired. It's been a couple of weeks. He's still not out of the testing pool. He's talking about uh, creating MMA as uh, getting MMA to be an Olympic sport. So dude's being active. I can't imagine he's not going to go for 30. Yeah. And he just bought, and also on top of it, bought a fighting promotion, uh, Gorilla Fighting. Uh, it was a Russian based promotion 
or Dagestani. And I don't, I don't, well, Dagestan is Russia, but anyway, it's, it, he's, it's going to be named Eagle fighting, I believe is what I read. So yeah, he's doing some stuff in his off time. Now, whether that 30th fight is going to be something, who knows? Just goes to the fact of when I hear like, when I hear people talk about Khabib and he's like, oh, I smash your, your boy or I do this or I do that. Right. That's, this is the type of shit where I'm like, that's why Khabib's a monster. Uh, he was doing an interview and I believe it was Uzbekistan, and he, someone asked a question about fighting the winner of Connor or Poirier and a few other questions and whatever. But basically the quote I want to get to is he says, see again about money. There is no competitive interest. They're both former champions and I made them tap out. I don't want to fight them. The horse doesn't run until the donkey wins. That's an Avarian proverb. Donkeys don't even compete in horse races. I have no interest in going against them. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He's, he's a savage. Like, he's like, yeah, I don't care. He's like, I beat them. And not only I beat them, it didn't go to decision. I choked them both out. Choked them out. What the fuck do I have to fight for? Why, why should I give them another fight? What's the point? So, so. it's Tony Ferguson or it's George St. Pierre. You mean uh, Khabib? Yeah, for Khabib. It's Tony Ferguson or George St. Pierre. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's GSP. It's got to be. If he's sticking around, it has to be for GSP. There's no one else, unless some superstar comes up and is like, oh, let me do it. Let me try it out. But, like, who Well, who Tony else? Ferguson needs to win his next fight. He's the win in a couple weeks, right? Win that fight. Get, get that the stink of the L against Gaethje off of him. Mm-hmm. And then if he wants to actually fight Khabib finally, because who knows? That's how fights work, right? Ferguson may be the, the one in his record. He might ruin the whole party. We waited. That might be the story that gets told at the end of this story. At the, yeah, at the end of the story, it's, well, he was perfect until Ferguson. The fight that got away five times on the sixth time around, he lost. That could be it. He might be right, you know? I don't know if Max Holloway ever plans on moving up. I don't know if he would do anything against Khabib, but you know what I mean? Like there are guys within the divisions that could challenge Khabib and be a competitive, relatively competitive fight. Right. I think, I think the biggest thing for Khabib is that's what he doesn't see is, is competitiveness anymore. He doesn't see anyone on his level, which I can't say he's wrong, but I also can't say he's right. I'm kind of in the middle with this. I've been in the middle a lot today, but I'm in the middle with this because it's like there is competitive fights. You can't say there's no competition. You never moved up. You never moved down. You, you know, you, there's, there's stuff that could be done. I mean, especially think about if he moved up to 170, went from 155 to 170. There's a whole plethora of fights he could do at 170, you know? So I don't think Khabib can move up to 170. No, nah, he's not that big. He, yeah, I would see him moving down or trying to move down if he could to featherweight before I ever seeing him fight at welterweight. Right. Like, don't but get me wrong. I'd there's so many. There's so many former featherweights. So that's my whole thing. Like I personally, I'd rather see him move up because in the welterweight division, there's so many former featherweights. That's where I'm like, probably do it because if these guys were featherweights and he dim- didn't dismantle any of these guys, but he could have. He's Khabib is five ten, so maybe he can put on that weight and go up to one seventy. He's I'm than, sure. I'm sure. Day of fight, he's probably almost one seventy plus. The day of a fight, I'm I guarantee it. 
he's probably go, he probably drops 20 pounds to get to 155 cuz there's no way he's 510 yeah he might be yeah i don't know depends i would have to see his whole camp and everything and actually watch in depth but gsp versus Khabib would be the dream match no doubt yes. me and you that's what something we were you know fantasy booking a couple of years ago already like and that's we were fantasy booking it because GSP people don't realize how fast the sport actually moves. He took that four year hiatus, comes back, goes from welterweight to middleweight, beats Bisbing, and then drops the middleweight title. Who did he drop the middleweight title to? Or like you know who became the next uh, champion? What was the Aussie that got defeated by Israel Adesanya? Like we're not even that far removed from GSP holding gold. In, in no, it was twenty eighteen, was it not? Something like that. Right? Like, I'm I'm not crazy on this. I'm pretty sure it was, it was 2018, something like that. So, yeah, we're not that far removed. And GSP is not old, man. Like, that's the other crazy thing. Like, GSP is not old. He's 39, about to be 40. Like, we just – And in great shape. He's, he's and in great the innovator shape. of the show. Listen, we just saw two 50-something-year-olds box, okay? Yeah. I, I know GSP still got it. But he was, he was definitely ducking what's-his-face, Whitaker, Robert Whitaker. He didn't want to catch those hands. Oh, hell no, bro. That man is a monster. I, I get what everyone saw when he got dismantled by Izzy, but that wasn't the same Robert Whitaker in against Izzy. I will say that again. That's why I want to see that rematch personally because, in my eyes, that was not the same Robert Whitaker I've watched uh, for years. That was a different guy in there. It, you could just see it in his eyes. It was like he was in there with, with a shark that he was not prepared for. Um, from the opening bell. You GSP just, went yeah. from UFC 167 to not fighting until UFC 217 in November 2017. So pretty much three years ago is when the last time he fought. He's only had one fight. That means he's only had one fight in roughly seven years. And, and that one fight was a title fight against an underrated Michael Bisbing. Yes. Like, let's be real. Like, dude, dude's more talented than a lot of fight fans like to give him credit for. Seriously. Se- second, second season of tough. It's crazy. Uh, on, like, dude's, dude's a legend in his own right. But yeah. the Khabib Nurmagomedov, he called GSP out after UFC 223. Yes. Like, yep. this this is not – me and you are not breaking ground psychologically saying we've been waiting for this fight. But as far as wrestlers go, the dominant wrestlers within the UFC, regardless of division – we're talking about two of the best mat-based fighters to ever have existed within the UFC. Yeah. Exactly. Khabib is a monster in his own right, but the UFC would not be full of the killers that it is on the mat, I mean, because like how Spider Silva innovated strikers and we got Izzy now. George St. Pierre innovated wrestling and we got Khabib now. Correct. Yep. 100%. I mean, that's that's what we saw coming out of it. That judo background, the wrestling background, also um, karate background, right? Like, GSP was – remember, GSP was still wearing the gi when he was fighting. Even, I think even the Bisping, I don't remember specifically, but he was still wearing the gi, not with the Reebok deal. So that man was a whole different view of what people were like, oh, yeah, I forgot this was a martial arts sport, this, that, and the other. Remember? Like, he would come in full gi outfit, take, break it down. Like, that was badass, man. Those were the days. <laughs> and GSP was one of the first fighters to become a well-rounded mixed martial artist. 
back in the day, you were either a wrestler that kind of worked on striking or you were a striker that kind of worked on wrestling. You weren't a fighter that worked on everything. Correct. Yeah, there um... – yeah, GSP was kind of the innovator behind that, right? Like UFC 1 going back, 93, that started with seeing the whole the whole premise was which style will win, which style will be the best. Then anyone that knows the background of UFC, it was built around the fact that one of the Gracie brothers were going to be a savage and destroy everyone because that's what they were doing in gyms across the globe until UFC happened. The Gracie brothers were go anyone name one it ended up being um hoist in the ufc but they were just dismantling people and that's where it started from so yeah you're talking about a guy in gsp that was one of the first to be a well-rounded athlete in the cage and have have the ability to do everything stand go to the ground pommel uh, whatever whatever you want name it he was ready to do it and always about it and it was great watching his career. So, yeah, that would be something I would love to see. Khabib, you know, Khabib, um, GSP is a great fight. I mean, if you're a hardcore or someone that follows it, follows uh, UFC or MMA in general closely, you know this has been talked about for a long time. Like you said, after 223, you said it was? UFC 223? Yeah, that's when he made the call out. And, and yeah. officially, George St. Pierre retired in February of 2019, and, and on May 9th this year, he was inducted into the modern wing of the UFC Hall of Fame. Yep. So he is a retired fighter, but like we just said, this is the first pod we're doing in a world after 54-year-old Mike Tyson got robbed of a win in a boxing match. So, Right, exactly. Because it so. wasn't a draw, just for everyone to know. He, Mike Tyson won every round. Yeah, yeah, to talk, to talk about bo- that boxing real quick. <laughs> Listen here, I'm not, not trying to be an asshole, but it was better than expected and we talked about, but knowing that Mike was not – I don't know how to word this, so I'm going to say – so basically my takeaway from Jones-Tyson, Tyson-Jones, whatever you want to call it, whoever's the A-side – my takeaway is nothing the fight is the fact that Tyson was able to control himself in that ring. That was my biggest takeaway. And that was actually what made me excited about that fight is the fact I'm like, damn, Tyson has control of what he's doing. He's, and to everyone's credit or to everyone's dismay, even myself saying, oh, he's probably going to get in there, lose control, just start winging on uh, Jones. He didn't. He didn't. He held his composure. He put on a show. It, it was great. It was great. It was great for what it was. Anyone that got sold like me by Tyson and Jones, like, well, you got to be scared. It's Mike Tyson in there. It could be dangerous. I got sold on that bag of goods. It ended up being a professional sparring match, which I'm all right with. It was nice. It was fun to watch. It was nostalgia all wrapped into one. That's my takeaway is I'm surprised Tyson had control, real control. Well, Interestingly enough, I was never sold on that Mike Tyson might lose control. I never believed that. As a Mike Tyson fan, admittedly, he's one of my favorite boxers, but so is Roy Jones Jr. So if I'm going to have a biased Mike Tyson fight, you can get more objective than this because they are legit my one and two favorite fighters. Mm -hmm. I was worried about Mike Tyson doing his natural head movement into a hook 
and knocking Roy Jones out to where it was dangerous. Right. Okay. It had nothing to do with control. It had everything to do with just taking the punch. And to Jones's credit, he survived all eight rounds, taking a lot more body shots than I think he would probably like. Right. Well, that and see, that goes to the part of this couldn't be constituted as a real fight. It's, that's why it was an exhibition match, quote unquote, because they did go to the body. I don't think that's that much going to the body. And I don't even think a single uppercut was thrown by Tyson. I mean, like real monster Tyson uppercuts were thrown. No, no, no. Take your head off uppercuts that I remember. Like he might have threw one. It might not look the same anymore. You know what I mean? But Right, exactly. And that's the other takeaway. We did see to anyone that's like, oh, it was great. Okay, I was, it was great for what it was. But don't tell me this was prime Tyson because, bro, you could tell he was old. You could tell. You could see. Oh, I'll put it like this, though. And I really believe this. This isn't, this isn't in the moment. This is 100%. I, I, I will die on this hill. If this version of Mike Tyson was around 15 years ago when he fought Kevin McBride, he'd win. When he, he would beat Danny Williams. He would beat Kevin McBride, a.k.a. Tyson's last two fights, his last two losses. Yeah. Mental so state or physical Tyson state. would win. Or both. Yeah, he, 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 would, he would win those last two fights. Like, and that's just a mental thing. That, that's a health thing. Mike Tyson is one of the best. Like, he's underrated as an actual boxer at this point because people just remember him in the late 90s after prison to Lennox Lewis and, ha- and having less control and less of the fundamentals that he had during his original run. Those fundamentals being the, the unbelievable head movement and counterpunching that Mike Tyson actually had. Well, yeah, it was not just the head movement. It was the side-to-side full-body movement. He was able to get inside of you and throw hooks and uppercuts from such a close range that if you were long and lanky, you were fucked. So it was, yeah, I, I agree with you. Agree with you there. Second, second takeaway, and, you know, a lot of people have already said this, but I got to reiterate it. You got to, you got to – practice or you got to go to training or train harder if you want to fight in a boxing ring what i mean by that is nate robinson i don't think understood what he was getting into when he said oh i'll fight the this youtuber i'll fight jake paul blah 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 blah. from hearing that he didn't even spar once that's how you know in my eyes you can take it seriously so to anyone that thinks you could just switch on over. And it's been said by almost every analyst, by every journalist in combat sports right now. And I'm going to reiterate it again. It's not a game. You don't play fighting. And I think Snoop said it on the, on the broadcast. You don't play fighting. It's not a game. It's not for, for fun. There's consequences. And you saw those consequences come out in Nate Robinson being on the canvas completely out. You see the consequences. So for anyone that thinks it's just a game, cite Nate Robinson. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's it. All right. (laughs) And props to Snoop Dogg, Mauro Ranallo, Israel Adesanya, and Sugar Ray for the amazing commentary that night. Sugar Ray the least because he seemed like he was just annoyed at the sport. Even he started having more fun towards the end. I don't know yeah. why he kept threatening to have an exhibition against Mauro. Leave my boy Mauro alone. But Snoop Dogg and Mauro, I will love to have them as a two-man crew going forward. And Izzy, for the first time being a broadcaster, it, not a bad job at all. Like, yeah, not a bad job. Him. We kind of talked about it on the side. I think it was a little difficult for him to spread his wings as a uh, commentator. 
right? Uh, especially with the pretty much the show, outlandish show that he was involved in. It's not like he was involved in something that was complete legit boxing, right? So it might have been a little difficult for him to kind of find his feet out there, um, especially with Snoop uh, being the way he is. I mean, that's you you got what you pay for with Snoop, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And, and the overall presentation was good. Uh, people are going to. I like him. the black. I like the blacked out background. That was uh, that was my favorite part, hands down. And you but like the white pride ring? That was pretty dope too. Not gonna lie, that was pretty. That was pretty. I, I like the performances that they had throughout the fight. I'm not even going to front. Uh, it, it, it seemed like aimed at our generation with the acts they got: Wiz Khalifa, French Montana, then Snoop. I liked it. I'm not going to front of more boxing pay-per-views have these intermissions where it's like three, four or five song sets of different artists. I'm all for it. Like right. I, I said last week that I watch fights sometimes with music on. It is what it is. It was a, it wasn't, I don't want to say clown show because I used to say clown show as a negative. It wasn't a circus because circus implies there wasn't anything to take out of it. I really think people got what they paid for with this event. Yeah, I think as a you don't want to yeah like not a clown show not a circus as a as an entertainment show as it, 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 the best way to put it sports entertainment let's do was true sports end. entertainment yeah. right exactly like it wasn't something where you're like oh this is gonna decide the fate of boxers blah 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 even with the Badu Jock Jack Jock wow <laughs> I love how you fuck up Jack I mess up on like Brazilian names and you're like Badu Jock. Badu Jack, no, <laughs> my bad. Badu Jack, though, like even that was like I didn't watch that fight, but you you even let me know. You're like, yeah, I mean, you just whoop dude's ass for fucking eight rounds. Blake McKernan's the other dude's name, and that dude going in the fight, I believe, because just so you guys know the level of fighters on the undercard, Jake Paul and Nate Robinson have Wikipedias. Badu Jack has a Wikipedia. Everyone else doesn't. Yeah. Yep. So just, you know, and, and it might sound like, oh, who cares if you don't have a Wikipedia because plenty of people don't have Wikipedias. There's just a level of fighter that you are if you literally don't even have a blur. Listen, you're on a Mike Tyson, I don't care what year, what age, Tyson versus Jones, you don't have a Wikipedia and you're on that card? Yeah, come on. Now. Yeah, we would have made our own Wikipedia just before we went on TV. Um, <laughs> right, come on. That's what I'm saying. Like, what? The but fuck? that fight was probably the weakest one on the card, the Badu Jack one. I think uh, both men were in their later 30s. Badu Jack is 37. I don't get where, like, where he comes from, essentially, because it wasn't like he was ever that big of a dude over here. He did have... Uh, the WBC super middleweight title a couple of years ago and the WBA light heavyweight title a couple of years ago, like 2017, 2015, 2017, he represented Gambia at the 2008 Olympics. So we, the dude has a resume. I'm not disrespecting him, but as far as this spectacle, this event was and the entertainment value, the first couple of fights on the undercard, a featherweight fight and a lightweight fight, they were all right. You know, like they were what they were. They 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 be they're the same free fight you catch on ESPN uh, or PBC on a random Saturday or Friday night. Uh, so no hate to those guys. But the actual card, the Badu Jack fight was mostly jabs, and I don't mean that as a criticism. I mean that as an observation. It was mostly Badu Jack scoring by throwing jabs, chasing Blake McKiernan down, and winning in a very boring fight. Yeah. Okay. So, Jake I mean, Paul, as far as the sport's concerned, as much as people are going to hate this, ourselves included, Jake Paul 
was a highlight as far as the sport of boxing is concerned going forward. He's 2-0, uh, fighting at cruiserweight, light heavyweight, like weight classes. Dude should, you know, keep an eye out because he's, he's an attraction in boxing. I'm, I'm all for it, man. Bring in more eyes, bring in new fans, all these YouTube fans that never watch boxing but are going to watch boxing because of you. Don't hurt the sport, in my opinion. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to quote DC from uh, DC and Hawani, their podcast. Dude can fight. I'm going to quote him right there. Dude can fight. I don't care what anyone says. I'm even, I even hate the fact that I have to say that. But dude can fight, man. You don't slip. You don't slip and then and come over with an overhand right or really what should have been a check hook, but he was kind of slipping real low, so he was down a little bit lower. But you don't you don't do that. You know what I'm saying? You don't you don't do that out of just luck. You saw Nate Robinson was just lunging and had no class inside that ring. No, it was he was outclassed in every single way. Like you could hate the Paul brothers all you want. That's fine. They're not like you could say they're not role models. That's fine. You could say their YouTube content is trash or, or it's for kids. That's fine. You can't say these dudes aren't actually training and taking these fights seriously. No, you can't. You can't. Maybe Logan Paul took that first fight against the other YouTuber not seriously. Since then, these brothers who were, if you guys don't know, athletes in their own right in high school, they're only 23 and 25. Correct. Like, these dudes are athletes naturally. They just so happen to get rich off YouTube. Like, it's a trap. It's, guys, it's, it's a trap. Like, you guys think these guys can't do these sports when Joe Rogan and all these other – like, Joe Rogan, D.C., everybody that the casual fan goes to for an opinion is telling you these guys aren't a joke. They're not – no, you could just see it. If you're a boxing fan, you saw – exactly what you would see out of an i'm not gonna say a pro pro but more than an amateur i mean the dude did well he you want to like i don't know if this is real though and i want to bring it up on here because if it's fake it's fake but if it's real it's it's some of the best promotion they the ball brothers could do for themselves right jake i think it was jake paul is calling out canelo yeah yep yeah <laughs> do it, that's man. where i go okay Slow down. No, 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 that's not, that's not when you say slow down. That's when the big brother in you has to take over and say, okay, go ahead. So they can learn for themselves what an ass whooping feels like. You can't, that's not a, that's not a good education. That's not a good education, bro. That's the education that Nate Robinson just got. All right. Hey man, sometimes you got to learn. You don't learn today. Right. That's Bro, we don't need to see that. Listen, him even calling out Connor was ridiculous. Dylan Dennis, and if you're a hardcore and you listen to any any other MMA podcast, you know who Dylan Dennis is. You know the troll that Dylan Dennis is, especially online, all this stuff. That's That that makes sense, okay? I'm with anyone else that said it. That makes sense, Dylan Dennis. Connor? Connor went and fought fucking Floyd Mayweather, bro. Don't, don't. When you start calling out real fighters, that's when you learn that hard lesson and you get a real education. That's my only concern. Get, get you, cut your promos, do whatever you got to do to sell the next one, but please don't be that dumb and think, yeah, whatever. I don't, I. This ain't the Disney Channel, bro. Listen, hey, do what he's got to do. The dude does what, he, does what he does. I don't like his YouTube shit. I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of him, but I respect him as the fighter that he is. I can't believe... We're spending time talking about fucking Jake Paul 
on a on our pod. <laughs> on our pod. Like that's how that's how like no matter what you say, he's definitely legit. And he's boys with Ryan Garcia, who's a legit fighter. Who's fighting on Saturday? No, 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 no. Oh, I'm mixing up Garcia's, my bad. The other Garcia, yeah. Danny Garcia. Danny Garcia is fighting. Uh, Ryan Garcia is not. Ryan Garcia does have a fight book, though. I just don't remember when. But it, it's he's a, he's a legit guy, too. Like, And if he got any training tips, like he being Jake Paul, from that young cat who's a killer, uh, if anyone knows, you've probably seen his highlights on SportsCenter. Not highlights, but his training on SportsCenter. He's a guy with one of the fastest set of hands on the planet. I mean, he's famous for all the bag work he does and he posts online kind of got famous when he was having people wear the uh, body pad and he was throwing uh, body shots to the stomach of Jake Paul, Francis Ngannou, you name the person he was doing it and kind of got famous there. So if you've seen those, that's who we're talking about. in Ryan Garcia, young cat, straight killer. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen. I meant to say Danny Garcia, not Mikey Garcia, Danny Garcia, homeboy from Brooklyn fighting Errol Spence this Saturday, Ryan Garcia, the one me and you were both talking about or thinking of, I should say, is the golden boy boxer. Dude got yes. sick hands. Oh, dude, it's crazy. If you, if, you, if you don't know, just trust me. Go right now. Look, as you're listening, look up Ryan Garcia and go, oh, those are the fastest hands I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and he's fighting in January against Luke Campbell, which is, you know, keep an eye out. I think it's for the WBC interim lightweight title. I don't, uh, so, you know, keep an eye out for that. He's definitely the biggest dude in Golden Boy since Canelo left. I mean, he is he is the biggest guy in Golden Boy, and and to speak on that, I hope Golden Boy doesn't fuck his career up, or try to fuck his career up, or try to fuck his deals up like they did with Canelo and ha- end up having Canelo leave. Because well, we're gonna have to do our research and actually do a Golden Boy Canelo beef podcast because we me me and you know enough peripheral shit about Golden Boy, because we watched his fights when he was a fighter growing up. So, like, he's always been a figure in our sports watching, right? Yes. And it went from, the, oh, match made in heaven to toxic really fast. Right. So, they should have been perfect for each other. I mean, Yeah. And, and right now, just like Ryan Garcia's, Golden Boy is perfect for a Cali kid. If you're a Latino and you're from Cali or Mexico, Golden Boy should be your go-to promotion. Correct. Especially, and, 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 like, and, and like you could say what you want, but that's coming from two dudes from a Puerto Rican family. Like that—that's where you should sign. You should want to sign there. Like so, it, so we'll we'll delve into that sometime in the future. We're also got to do the 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 Ben Askren butterfly effect episode for the from that trade. Oh, that will be coming very soon because that is it's still rearing its head. The butterfly effect that that was that deal affects us every day because we're still wondering. What's happening with Jorge Masvidal? What's happening with DJ? Jorge Masvidal got a belt made off that shit. But yeah, hey, we, that's something to delve into in the future. Yeah, exactly. Listen, well, it'll literally just turn right into, well, this is what happened. Yeah, we'll go for another 40 minutes. Just because uh, we got but, um, uh, And before we sign off, I did make changes to the pound for pound list between the podcast and what I wrote down last week. And one of the additions, because as you guys heard, I said, hey, man, I didn't do enough research before we started recording on one. And one of the guys in one that I added he, to the top 10, and he's nine, I replaced him at nine, was a- Angla, is how you actually, how I heard all the people saying it. Angla, Angla. However, you know, I have a Jersey accent, my fucking bad. Angla Nassang. He's yeah, a light heavyweight and slash heavyweight. 
and was a champ champion one, and dude got hands. If you go on YouTube, look up his knockouts. One puts out great content for people just trying to look for their stuff, so it's actually very easy. But he's definitely a dude that I just wanted to bring up because we talked so much last week about the pound for pounds. And once I did some research into one, I had to add him onto it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, he definitely had to be added in. Uh, the straight monster, like you said. And, and he deserves a spot on the pound for pound outside of the UFC 100%, especially, like you said, being a champ champ, all that. He, he, he's a monster. And, yeah, if you haven't seen it, definitely go back. One, like you said, one, one I'm going to say one twice because – Number one, one is a great follow on Instagram. If you haven't followed them yet, definitely follow them on Instagram because they put clips up on the daily and they're great. Two, just go back and watch his fights. <laughs> that, that's all I got to say. Yeah, you'll, no, for you'll, real. you'll enjoy he lost it. the heavyweight title. I believe he's still the light heavyweight champ. And dude yes. is, is an American. I think you, I believe he's an American of Burmese descent that now lives over there. So he's like re-nationalized over there, but he is an American. He's probably the, one of the bigger stars they promote that feels like one of their homegrowns. Yes. So they are a great follow on Instagram. And so are we at the dope blog at the right. underscore dope blog. Fuck yeah, that segue. Right, um, exactly. <laughs> tell them they can find you, cuz. You can find me, Instagram, Twitter, all the uh, socials at Owens 1105 uh, Yeah, Instagram, Twitter, all that. Definitely give us a follow. The Dope Blog, give us a follow. You know, we'll be putting content out, man. Yeah, check, it, check us out at the Dope Blog, www.thedope.blog. And also, just to add last thing, since we are recording this during Jimmy V Week, this weekend for UFC, since they are an ESPN affiliate now, Obviously, we all know that they are doing the fight like hell, which is quoted from Stuart Squat. Ah, Jesus, Stuart Scott. So it's the fight like hell event this weekend. It's a fun one. Just look at it. Look at the card. You'll have fun. But it is Jimmy V week. So shout out to anyone that we. I mean, as adults, we all know someone with cancer or something like that, right? So I don't want to go on this whole rant about it, but you know, props up to anyone that had to fight that fight. So oh yeah. And I'll end it on the perfect note. Fuck cancer. I'm ill. 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 I